Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we want to think about that this morning. We want to think about the God who created the heavens and the earth and the problems that we give him. But before we begin, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you asking for divine guidance. Lord, I pray this will be your message, not mine. And Lord, I just pray that you're going to bless in a very special way. Lord, I, I want to bring to you Andrew and his family. Lord, shower them with your blessing and with your comfort. And then, Father, I want to remember our camp in Wawona. As the fire creeps closer and closer to it, Lord, I pray that if it is your will, that it won't destroy that camp. So, Lord, we, we come to you, surrender our lives to you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God had a perfect universe. And I mean that, not just a perfect world, but a perfect universe. <clears throat> How do we know that there were other worlds, in fact, inhabitable worlds? Well, if you go to the book of Job, and the second chapter, <clears throat> you'll find that there was a meeting, and it says all the sons of God came to that meeting. And among them was Satan. And the Lord said, where did you come from? He said, well, I came from walking up and down on the face of the earth. Now that language means that all of this that he was walking on was his. He had taken it from the one to whom God had given it, Adam, and it's now his world. <clears throat> so if he was representing the earth, what were all the other sons representing? If there weren't worlds that they were coming from. So God had a perfect universe. We don't know how long it remained that way. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know that it came to the point where it was no longer perfect. If you go to the book of Revelation, turn with me to Revelation, the 12th chapter. This is a very, very disturbing chapter. As we look at it, we find that there was <clears throat> A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And she was about ready to bring a child into the world. But then you'll notice that there was a dragon 
that was standing before her, waiting for her to deliver this baby, that he might destroy it. You notice verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Evidently, there had never been a war before because it was all perfect. Perfect love. Perfect willingness to get along. No argument. Can you imagine that? No church board meetings. You ever heard arguments in a church board meeting? I remember as a uh, young, well, I wasn't even a preacher then. I was a school teacher. I taught for four years before I got in ministry. But because I was a conference employee, you know, I um, was somewhat of a leader in the church. I was an elder, and I remember coming to this board meeting. There was a pastor and there was an associate pastor in the church, and um, they didn't agree. And I remember this particular meeting in which the associate pastor made some statement. And the pastor said, are you here to help us or to hinder us? And the associate pastor said, I'm here to put the record straight. And I raised my hand and I said, I, I, I move we adjourn. The pastor said, we, I can't recognize that. And the, the member said, You can't deny it. So we voted to adjourn. I said, you know, I believe we just prayed that the Holy Spirit would be here, and I believe the Holy Spirit came, but I'm sure he just left. Folks, the church is no place for an argument. We must learn how to solve our problems peacefully. So anyhow, the Bible goes on and says that um, the dragon was cast out of heaven. Now it doesn't tell us whether he went to all of the other worlds first and failed at each one before he came to this earth. The Bible just tells us that he was cast down to the world, to the earth. And all of his supporters were cast out with him. And by the way, it indicates that he took a third of the angels. Can you imagine that? In a perfect universe, that you would be able to convince a third of those angels to be on your side? 
that tells me he has a tremendous ability to influence people. Now, I'm not an angel and neither are you. So what does that say to us about his influence upon us? Now we have two sides. And Lucifer, or the dragon, which Revelation 12 tells us is the devil and Satan, comes to this perfect garden with two perfect people. And he said to Eve, let's go back to Genesis 1, Genesis 3, rather. He says to Eve, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And it's interesting, Eve quotes what God had said. And shortly after she quoted that God said we can eat of every tree except a tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, we can't eat of that lest we will die. And the serpent says, by the way, you notice Revelation 12 also calls him a serpent. The serpent says, don't worry about him. He knows that you won't die. And then he said something that would influence almost all human beings. God knows that if you eat of it, you're going to become like him, knowing good from evil. That was true. What he didn't say, you don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to know what evil is. But you know, when you look at what is going on in his mind, you begin to realize that it's all because of pride. Look at Isaiah. The um, 12th chapter, No, Isaiah 14. And this is a, tells us <clears throat> what he's like. Beginning with the 12th verse. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? You who weakened the nations for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. What does it say to us? He was 
working on pride. Pride is one of the things that all of us have to deal with. It's hard to realize that we're just ordinary human beings. Ezekiel tells us that he was uh, proud because he was beautiful. Well, I don't think most of us have to worry about that. I know I don't. You know, I praise the Lord every day for um, giving me such a beautiful wife. I miss her like everything, but I, I have no regrets. And I certainly have nothing against God. But Satan was filled with pride. And he was going to be like God. Now the interesting thing is, if we watch his, what he does, He lost almost every confrontation. He lost every confrontation between he and God. He almost won during Noah's day. He convinced the whole world that he was right and God was wrong and only one family remained true to God. And God had to wipe the rest of them out. What a tragedy. But you know, God tells us that in the last days it's going to be similar to the days of Noah. And in Noah's day, only eight were found faithful. And Jesus said, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in, but narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. How often have you been told, well, how can so few be right and so many wrong? It's not numbers, folks. It's how we live. We come to um, the cross. And Jesus is hanging there on the cross. And the dragon is right there, working through the people that are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Come down off of the cross and we'll believe in you. 
Jesus realized that he could come off of that cross and forget about us. But while he was on the cross, every one of us was on his mind. Satan would have given anything to make him and, and influence him to come off that cross. But things seem to be changing. Satan knew that if he died on the cross, that his, Satan's, future would be sealed. And he would win, he would, he would lose. So we go back to Revelation 12. And we find that um, the dragon lost that battle in heaven. But he began to change his tactics. And you'll notice in the 17th verse, Revelation 12, verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, Christ is no longer on earth. Satan cannot have personal relations with him. So what does he do? He goes after his people. Up to this point, it appears that it was, and Satan apparently figured this out. It was three, a trinity of three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit against one, the dragon. So we look at verse chapter uh, 13, and we begin to see what Satan is doing. He is matching a false trinity against the true trinity. Notice chapter 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. And then go down to uh, verse 4. So they worshipped the dragon and gave authority to the beast. Now notice, the, beast, the dragon had given the beast its authority and its power. Here was Satan's attempt to replace Jesus. He knew that Jesus came to this world to represent the Father and do what the Father instructed him to do. And so Satan brings in this beast 
the sea beast to do his work. Then we go on in the chapter. In verse 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, a land beast. And if we read on with that, we'll realize that that land beast, <clears throat> when the sea beast got in trouble and was not as influential as it had been, the land beast began to take over and uh, continue to enforce the sea beast message. Who took over for, for Jesus when he left? The Holy Spirit, right? So you've got on one side God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and on the other side you've got the dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast. Now you've got a true trinity and a false trinity. And what happens? We then begin to see very definite changes in the religious world. God's word was now being challenged like it had never been challenged before. Hath God said that you have a special day on which to worship? Yes. <clears throat> we are told that in seven days, six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore, he blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. The only commandment that begins with remember is the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment. Jesus himself acknowledged while he was on this earth that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. What about that charge? You will not surely die. The world today believes that you don't really die, you will go to heaven or to hell. Interestingly enough, I've never heard a preacher preach anybody into hell. Have you? <clears throat> I remember we were in the southern part of Virginia and um, There was a, a gentleman there. He had been a real Christian, strong Christian. And then he left the church and he became the town drunk. And I had become good friends with this um, minister of one of the um, churches there, not an Adventist church. <clears throat> but he believed in the uh, 
doctrine of once saved, always saved. So I was wondering what he was going to say at the man's funeral. So I went. And this is what he said. Our dear brother became such a disgrace on this world that the Lord had to take him out of it to get rid of his influence. I mean, come on. I asked him, I said, well, how does that approve you're once saved, always saved? You admitted that he wasn't worth going to heaven. But God had to protect the world by taking him out of it. The Apostle Paul, uh, Peter rather, <clears throat> when he gave that speech on the day of Pentecost, he mentioned David. And he said, David is in the tomb. He died. He's in the tomb. And his, he has not gone to heaven. Very plain. You know, I've asked several people uh, who believe that when a person dies, they go right to heaven. And I've asked them, you know, let's take Lazarus, for example. He was dead. He was buried. Jesus did not call him down. He called him forth. And by the way, if the believers believed that he went to heaven, how come no one asked him what heaven was like? So this trinity, this true trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is now in conflict with the false the dragon, the sea beast, and the land beast. Interestingly enough, as you go through history and look at the history of the church, God the Son shed his life, his blood rather, for you and for me. The sea beast shed the blood of all of those who rejected their message. What a difference. What do they each have in store for us? If we accept that true trinity, Revelation 21 tells us, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
wherein dwells righteousness. Revelation 22 tells us that there is that water, that river of life, and the tree of life on either side. And the true Trinity offers us to live in that new heaven and that new earth. Offers us the opportunity to drink of the water of life and eat of the tree of life and live forever. The false trinity? Revelation 20 tells us that the false trinity invites all of its followers to follow him. And they go up and they surround the city and fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. And then it finalizes it. This is the second death. We have a choice. We can either accept the true trinity and uh, receive the blessing. God says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. That reward is based on what you and I have, the decisions that we have made. Will we accept the true trinity or will we accept the false? It's a tough decision for many, many people. Why? Because the fault makes theirs look so much like the true that unless we are students of this book, remember, Eve quoted God's word and then chose to disobey it. Many are chosen, but few accept the invitation. I want you to listen to the words of this song as we have it sung to you.